Shalom to all. Today's daf is Pesachim Dav Lamed Aleph. We are starting Lamed Amud Beis, five lines up from the bottom, with the brand new Mishnah. Today's daf is sponsored. B'schos Rachel Deborabas Tzipor Miriam. Hashem should grant her clarity of vision in all important decisions. And the Mishnah says, Nachrish Helves Yisrael Chametzai. A Gentile lent money to a Jew, and the guarantee for that loan was the Chametz of a Jew. Achar Pesach Motorbana. After Pesach, that Chametz is Motorbana. Vyisrael Shehelves Nachrel Chametzai. However, a Jew that lent money to a Gentile, and the guarantee for that loan was the Gentile's Chametz. Achar Pesach Asurbana. After Pesach, that is Asurbana. And now we're just going to be discussing loans in general. The Gemara says, Itmar, Balchayv, a creditor, Ruvain lent money to Shimon, and Shimon said, If I don't pay you back by whatever time stipulated in the contract, then you could take one of my properties away. Abai Yomer, he says, when that property is being collected by Ruvain, that's being collected retroactively. Rav Amr, he says, when he collects the property, it's only from now, from when he's collecting it and onwards. So what's the nafkamina? Anytime the loiva, the borrower, was maktish the property or he had sold it to someone else, everyone agrees to asi malavitarv. The malva, the lender, can go and take that property back from the person that had purchased it, lamed alfa and alfa on the top, basi malva uparik, and the malva can go and redeem it from hektish. Dinan, we have a mishnah, this person could just add one dinner and he could redeem this property from hektish. Now Rashi explains that really he should be able to get it back free from hektish. However, he only has to redeem it for a minimal amounts so that people don't say that you're able to redeem something from hektish for free. But basically, he's able to take this property without having to pay any money. The reason why this is is because the Laiva wasn't allowed to sell it or remaktish it. Keep plugging, so what's the whole The Zavin Malva, the Kaddish Malva, that's when the lender was the one that sold it or was maktish it. Abai Yomer, he says as follows, he's really collecting retroactively. Since time of the repayment of the loan has come and he didn't pay it back, so now it's been retroactively shown that this property was always in his and the fact that he was Maktashit or that he sold it, that's okay because it was really his property. And he says, You're only collecting from now on. If Shimon had money, he would have given that instead of the property. So that turns that only now Reuben is being kind of the property and he wasn't able to sell it or be Maktashit. That's the difference between or Now the Gemara asks, Did Rav really say that you're only collecting from now on? Now pay attention to this case. Reuven sold a field to Shimon, and it was Ba'achrayis. There was a guarantee on that field that if the field was taken away from Shimon by one of Reuven's creditors, then Reuven was going to pay Shimon back. However, Shimon didn't have any money to pay for the field. So what did he do? Now he just counted them as a halva. He wrote down on a star that he, Shimon, owes money to Reuven, and he also gave a guarantee on that money, stipulating that if he doesn't pay by a certain time, so then Reuven could just take his field back. So there's an interesting thing going on over here. Shimon owes money to Reuven, and the guarantee for that money is the field which Reuven sold to Shimon. However, there's a guarantee on that field that if that field is taken away, so then Reuven has to pay Shimon back. So now what happened? Umes Reuven. Reuven died. de Reuven. And now a creditor of Reuven comes, Shimon, and he tries to take this field away from Shimon. And now Shimon pays him off with money. Instead of letting him take the property, he gives him money instead. Now Shimon's intent was to pay off the loan that he owns on that field. Since he owes money to Reuven, meaning he owes money to the estate of Reuven, to his Yarshim. So instead of going back to the Yarshim of Reuven and saying, the field was taken away from me, you owe me money, and then taking that money and giving it back to them, he just paid the Balchayv of 
Ruvain off, and now he thinks that he's taken away his chayv, and he doesn't owe Ruvain any money for the field. However, what does the Gemara say? Do you know who really the halacha is? The Asur B'nai Ruvain? The sons of Ruvain can come, the Yarshim can come, but Amri Le'ashim, and they can tell Shimon, Anan metatli shavak avun gavach. Our father left metatlin by you, movable objects. U metatli diyasmi, le balchayv loy mishtabdi. And the metatlin of Yisaymim is not meshubit to a balchayv, meaning you order father metatlin, you order father cash, and that's not something that you could give to the balchayv of our father, so you still owe us money for the property that you haven't paid our father. Vamurava, but he suggests, Ipikech Shimon, if Shimon was wise, Megvi Luhu Ara, he would give them the property that he had purchased from their father, Vahadar Gavi Laminayu, and then he would recollect it from them. He owes them money, so he's going to give them that property. However, now it turns out that that property was taken away from him, so he's able to go back to them and say, hey, this property had a guarantee on it that if it's ever taken away from me, I get to recollect it. So now he's going to have the property once again. And the reason why this works is the Amr of Nachman, he says, Yusayim Shagavu Kakabachavsavim, when Yusayim collect property because of a debt owed to their father, so then another Balchayv is able to go and take that property away from them. And now we're going to analyze. If you're going to say, my that when someone collects a debt, he's really collecting it retroactively. We've come to this that Shimon is allowed to recollect his property from the Yarshim of Ruvain to command the Gavu Mechaim Davu and Dami. Because it says, if he had collected it in the lifetime of their father, their father owed him money technically on this property if it was ever taken away from him. So he's considered a Balchayv of the father. So that's why he's able to collect it because it says, if he was owed already when the father was still alive. But if you're going to say, like we had just established in Rava, that you only collect from now on. It's considered like a new collection. Why is he able to recollect his property from the Yarshim? It's as if the Yisayimim bought brand new property, and if the Yisayim had bought brand new property, would that be considered that they would have to pay? Obviously not. So it seems to be that Rava is making a suggestion that really would only make sense if you hold and not the Gemara answers Shani Hasim. That case is different. The Amalahu, because Shimon can tell the Yarshim of Ruvain, the same way that I was Meshubit to your father, meaning this field would have had to be given back to your father if I didn't pay him the money for it. So it's also Meshubit to the Balchav of your father because your father owes someone on this field, and therefore it's Meshubit to the Balchav. It happens to be that that Balchav is also Shimon, but it's also Meshubit to that Balchav. And how does this make sense? Nasan. It's just like Rav Nasan, and this is a famous thing that we find throughout the Gemara. It's called Shibuda de Rav Nasan. The time you have a brasa, Rav Nasan Eimer, he says, How do we know that one person owes someone else money? And that person, another person, meaning Reuven owes Shimon money and Shimon owes Levi money. We can take money from Reuven and just give it straight to Levi. It says in the Pasuk, And he shall give it to whom he is guilty to. And we make a Joshua from there, that if A owes B and B owes C, then we can just take from A and give it to C. And it's the same thing over here. Shimon owes Ruvain and by extension the Yarshim of Ruvain. However, Ruvain owes Shimon if that field is taken away. So this is A to B and B to C, even though it happens to be that A and C are the same person, they're both Shimon, and that's how it works. But nonetheless, we still say that according to Rava, it can make sense that Mikanul Abahu Gaiva. And now we're going to try to plug this back into our Mishnah. Tanan, our Mishnah said, Nachishel Vasisrael Chametzai, a Gentile lent money to a Jew, and the guarantee for the loan was the Jew's Chametz. Achar Pesach Motorbana, after Pesach, it's Motorbana. Yamar Bishlem Mafreu Gaiva. If we're going to apply Lamafreu Gaiva, we've come to this Motorbana, that this Chametz is Motorbana. Because since this Chametz was being used as the guarantee, so technically it belonged to the Gentile the entirety of Pesach, and it never belonged to the Jew, so it's Motorbana. Eliyam, if you're going to say, that's only considered like he's collecting it from now. That means he's only collecting the chametz after Pesach. Why would it be motor Why would it be motor It was really 
and the Jews were shush the whole time, and it's only considered the Gentiles the moment the Jew doesn't have money to pay his loan. The Gemara answers that's still not problematic with Rava because it's because he had deposited it with the Gentile. The moment he took his chametz and he actually deposited it in the Gentile's house, so then it's already considered like a mashkan, like a collateral. And we're going to discuss in Ahmed Bey's that there is a concept that that the moment that he has a mashkan, he has a collateral with him, it's considered like it's his, then he's actually kainet. And even if you're going to say, nonetheless, since he has the mashkan with him, he has the collateral, it's considered like he owns it. And that's why, even according to Rava, the chametz would be mutter after Pesach. And now the Gemara suggests, let's say that this concept of a mafreu gaiva or mikanu labau gaiva is a machlekes tanaim. We have a brayso. Yisrael shehovel enochi al chametzay. A Jew lent money to a Gentile for the Gentile's chametz. Again, that was being used as the guarantee. Lachar pesach eno over. After pesach, he's not over for having chametz. Mishum Rav Meir, Amr the name of Meir, who said over, he is over. My law b'hakamifli. What's machlekes between the Tanakam of Meir? The Mar Savar of Meir holds a mafreu gaiva. He's considered collecting retroactively, and therefore the chametz was in his rishos the whole pesach, and that's why he was over. Umar Savar mikanu labau. Tanakama holds he's only Gaiva from now and on, and that's why this Chametz was never in his Rishos, so that's why he wasn't Iver. The Gemara asked with Tizbra, could that really be so? What's the end of the Braisa? If a Gentile lent money to a Jew for the Jews' Chametz, after Pesach, everyone agrees that the Jew is Iver. It should really say the exact opposite. According to the Tanakama, in the ratio of the Braisa, that you're not Iver, over here you should be Iver because everything's been flipped around. According to Rameh, that you are Iver, so over here you shouldn't be Iver. So the Rish and the Seifa don't seem to be consistent with each other. So it must be that they're arguing about something else. It must be, what are we talking about over here in this Brasic? Where the Chametz was deposited by the person who had lent it. The Kamiflik with Rabbi Yitzchak and the whole machlek is between the Tanakam and Rav Meir is in Rabbi Yitzchak's shita that he taught us. Then Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak said, "Minan l'balchayv shekana mashkin." How do we know that Balchayv is kaina the mashkin, the collateral that's given to him? Shneimer says in the pasuk in regards to a mashkin being given to a lender, "Ulachati yitzdaka and will be righteousness to you." Am ena kaina mashkin? If he's not going to be kaina the mashkin that he takes from the person he lent the money to, tzedaka minayin. How is it considered righteousness? Mikan l'balchayv shekana mashkin. We learn from here that Balchayv acquires the collateral that's given to him for the loan that he lent out. Tanakam, however, he holds Hanami Yisrael Mi Yisrael Hu the Karina Bei Luchati Yitzdaka. It's only when we're dealing with two Jews then we can say Luchati Yitzdaka and he's kind of mashkan. Av Yisrael Menachri Loikani. When Yisrael gets a mashkan from a Gentile, he's not kind of it, and therefore, even though he has this mashkan of chametz in his house, it's not considered like it's his, and therefore he's not over. Rameir, however, he holds Kavu Chaimer Yisrael Mi Yisrael Kani. If one Jew is going to be kind of mashkan from another one, Yisrael Menachri like Halshikain, for sure a Jew should be kind of from a Gentile, and that's why when he has the Gentile's chametz in his house over Pesach, he's going to be. However, when the Gentile lent money to the Jew for the Jews' chametz, and the Jews' chametz is by the Gentile hall of Pesach, Achar Pesach everyone holds that the Jew is still going to be over, even though his chametz was in the Gentile's house over Pesach. Everyone agrees that the Gentile is not kind of the Jews' chametz, and that's why he's going to be over. And Tanan, our Mishnah said, A Gentile lent money to Jew for his chametz, Achar Pesach after Pesach it's permitted to have benefit from. And now we're going to ask, Even if you're going to Say that the Jew deposited his chametz in the Gentile's house. But we said that the Gentile isn't kind of this mashkin from the Jew, so it's really considered like the Jew's chametz. So why is it permitted bahana after Pesach? The Gemara answers like Hasha, it's not a problem. The difference is whether or not he told him from now, meaning I'm giving you my chametz and you can have it already from now. So that's already a stronger type of Kenyan. He actually was mocking his chametz to him. And we're not How do you know that there's a difference? 
if he had said me'achshav from now or if he didn't say me'achshav. Titania, we have a bride. So, Nachri Shehirin Paspurni Eitzah Yisrael, a Gentile that owed money to a Jew and he gave him some Paspurni as a collateral. Now, what's this Paspurni? Rashi says that it's a really nice fluffy loaf of bread like we have nowadays. Back in the day, their bread used to be these small pitot or lafot as we had spoken about previously. We have these cylindrical ovens and they would take a piece of dough and slap it to the side and then it would be baked. So, that wasn't really a nice fluffy Gishmak loaf of bread. Paspurni is a loaf of bread that's baked in a nice large oven like we have, Rashi says, and that's something that might be used as a collateral. So this Gentile who owed money to the Jew gave him a loaf of paspornia as collateral. Ene over, the Jew is not over. However, if he says, it's reached you, meaning over, so then he's going to be over. What's the difference between the Rashi and the Seifa? It must be that there's a difference. When the Gentile told him, so it's like he was kind of to when he didn't say, so he's not kainit. Shvamina, that's the difference. If he says me'achshav, he's already kainit. And therefore, in our Mishnah, when the Jew told the Gentile me'achshav, so then the Gentile already acquired the Jews' chametz, and that's why it's permitted after Pesach. Tan Rabbanu, we have a brass of Chanusha Yisrael, a Jewish store, Malaysia Yisrael, and inventory also belongs to a Jew. Opayle, Nachrim, Nechnasim, Lasham, and all the workers going in and out on Pesach are Gentiles. Chametz Shinim Sasham Achar Pesach, any chametz found there after Pesach, Asarbana, is Asarbana because we assume that it belongs to the Jew. We don't have to tell you that it's usher to eat. Chanus shall nachri. However, if we have a Gentile store, Omalai shall nachri, and the inventory belongs to a Gentile, Opaila Yisrael nechnas and biyatzin l'sham, and there's Jewish workers going in and out, Chamesh shenim sasham acher pesach, any chametz found after pesach, Motor bachilo, is permitted to eat, Vinsar chalim banan, for sure it's permitted to have benefit from, because we assume it was a Gentile's chametz and not a Jew's chametz. And the mission says, Chametz Shenafal Av Mapalis, Chametz that a wall or a ruin collapsed on top of, Hareu Kimavur, it's like it's completely removed and destroyed because it's buried underneath this pile of rubble. Roshim Gamaliel, he says, Koshayna Kelv Yochel Chapes Achrav, it's only if a dog is not able to search after it and find it. And Aram Chisi says, Even though it's considered Kimavur, it's like it's destroyed and it's completely gone, he still has to mevatel it in his heart. Taneo was taught, Kamachafis Kelv, how deep does it have to be buried underneath this rubble to say that a dog can't search it out? Shleshit Tvachim, three Tvachim. That which Shmuel had taught us, the only way to properly guard money is by burying them in the ground. Do you have to bury them three tfachim underneath the ground or not? Just like we see that three tfachim is considered like as properly buried and removed. Amalei responded, over here in regards to chametz mishum recha, because we don't want the dog to smell it out. That's why it needs to be buried three tfachim, and then the dog can't smell it. Hasam over there, we just want to make sure that it's been covered from your eyes. People can't see it. It doesn't need to be buried three tfachim underneath the ground. The kama. So how deep does it have to be buried? He taught us tefach. Money only has to be buried a tefach underneath the ground. We're going to pause here for the day. Pick up with a fresh mishnah tomorrow. Everyone should have a wonderful day.